This is a recording of How Joseph Smith's Grammar Differed from Book of Mormon Grammar, Evidence from the 1832 History, by Stanford Carmack, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Victor Worth. Abstract. Some of the grammar of Joseph Smith's 1832 history is examined. Three archaic, extra-biblical features that occur quite frequently in the Book of Mormon are not present in the history even though there was ample opportunity for use. Relevant usage in the 1832 history is typical of modern English, in line with independent linguistic studies. This leads to the conclusion that Joseph's grammar was not archaizing in these three types of morphosyntax, which are prominent in the earliest texts of the Book of Mormon. This corroborating evidence also indicates that English words were transmitted to Joseph throughout the dictation of the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith's 1832 history is a text of slightly more than 2,000 words, originally written down partly in his own hand, about two-thirds of it, and partly by Frederick G. Williams. Here I look at some language usage in the history, both frequent and occasional, that has a bearing on Book of Mormon patterns of use. This evidence provides insight into the nature of Joseph's own linguistic preferences. In short, the 1832 history contains a significant amount of language typical of the early 19th century. Given what linguists know about English usage of this time, these particular usage tendencies would have been expected in this short write-up by Joseph of his personal history. A descriptive linguistic analysis of the 1832 history shows that Joseph's language differed substantially from Book of Mormon usage in at least three important respects. This provides support for the view that English words were actually transmitted in some way to Joseph in 1829, words that he then dictated to scribes. No attempt has been made to examine a larger corpus of Joseph's language at this time. Further studies based on a larger corpus may be carried out in the future. The 1832 history is examined for what it is and what it can tell us about Joseph's grammar in relation to the grammar of the Book of Mormon. The history has the advantage of being mostly written down by Joseph himself and close in time to when the Book of Mormon was set down in writing, making it a fairly reliable homogenous text. Also, some features of the history are archaizing and biblical, such as verbal inflection. These things tend to make a linguistic comparison of the Book of Mormon and the 1832 history valid and meaningful. Findings Against both frequent and occasional Book of Mormon usage, Joseph Smith's 1832 history does not employ paraphrastic did in positive declarative statements, the relative pronoun which after personal antecedents, the th plural, that is, archaic th inflection after plural subjects, finite complementation after the verbs desire and suffer. Consonant with frequent or occasional Book of Mormon usage, Joseph Smith's 1832 history does not employ plural was as well as were, exceeding great as well as exceedingly distressed, past tense come and become as well as came and became. Frequent consistent usage of the 1832 history. No paraphrastic did. There is no did paraphrasis in positive declarative statements in the 1832 history, even though 88 past tense main verbs are present. To match the Book of Mormon rates, there would need to be 26 instances of paraphrastic did in this account. 
the complete lack of periphrastic did in this account agrees with independent linguistic studies that did not find an appreciable maintenance of this early modern English phenomenon after the 17th century. Early modern English can be thought of as ranging in time from 1500 to 1700. It constitutes strong evidence that periphrastic did was not part of Joseph's own dialect. Because Book of Mormon usage is not derivable from biblical usage, the nearly 2,000 instances of positive paraphrastic did found throughout the Book of Mormon point to English words being transmitted to Joseph throughout the dictation. Skousen defined tight control nearly 20 years ago as the following, quote, Joseph saw specific words written out in English and read them off to the scribe, the accuracy of the resulting text depending on the carefulness of Joseph and his scribe, close quote. This description, however, is no longer unambiguous, since Brant Gardner has developed an approach that involves Joseph seeing specific words, even though Gardner believes that only ideas were revealed to Joseph. Quote, we need a mechanism that explains how Joseph could be the translator and still read what he saw on the interpreters or his seerstone. Close quote. For clarity, we must step back one degree and state that either ideas or words were transmitted to Joseph, something I do in this paper. The delivery of words mentioned in 2 Nephi 27.24 supports the view that the Lord caused mostly English words to be sent to Joseph. A concrete form of expression, words, is mentioned as being delivered. The primary evidence, however, resides in the archaic, extra-biblical vocabulary, form, and structure of the Book of Mormon text. Such language was foreign to Joseph Smith's way of speaking and writing. More than 1,800 instances a positive declarative paraphrastic did is a prime example of that. The match with 16th century English usage is present on multiple levels, rate of use, syntactic distribution of the auxiliary and infinitive, and individual verb use tendencies. No personal which. The relative pronoun which is not used with personal antecedents in the 1832 history. There are only a dozen clear instances of personal that and personal who. Personal that, two instances. All that were able to render any assistance, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare that they might get all which were upon the face of the land, Ether 15.14. But could find none that would believe the heavenly vision, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare there were none which were Amlicites or Amulonites, Alma 24.29. Personal who, ten instances the son of the living God of whom he beareth record, Frederick G. Williams' hand. Compare, I am Jesus Christ of which the prophets testified, 3 Nephi 11.10. Goodly parents who spared no pains, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare, our first parents which came out of the land of Jerusalem, Helaman 5.6. Even in the likeness of him who created them, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare, and slay him which should attempt to approach, Alma 50.5. A being who maketh laws, who filleth eternity, who was and is and will be from all eternity to eternity, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare, a being which never hath been seen nor known, Alma 30.28. For there was none else to whom I could go, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare, the men to which he speaks, 1610 John Boys, EEBOA16549. All those who believe on my name, Joseph Smith's hand, compare, and whosoever of those which belonged to their band, Helaman 624. 
daughter of Isaac Hale, who lived in Harmony, Susquehanna County, Frederick G. Williams' hand, compare the Gadianton robbers which dwelled upon the mountains, 3rd Nephi 127. A man by the name of Martin Harris, who became convinced of the vision, Frederick G. Williams' hand, compare a man which was large and was noted for his much strength, Alma 1-2. Above we can see that Joseph Smith favored the use of personal who, which agrees generally with the textual record and independent linguistic research. The systematic use of the relative pronouns who and that, with personal antecedents in the 1832 history, is also a problem for those who favor Joseph being responsible for the wording of the Book of Mormon, since the earliest text is quite heavy in its use of personal which, much of it edited out by 1837, and relative pronoun selection mostly reflects subconscious authorial preferences. This is a complex area of study. Factors such as the function of the relative pronoun, restrictive defining versus non-restrictive, object versus subject, and the type of antecedent affect the subconscious choice of the relative pronoun. I have limited my analysis to restrictive context, but have considered various antecedents. On average, the earliest text of the Book of Mormon clearly prefers personal which, followed by personal that, followed by who or whom. I have considered four different types of personal antecedents in the Book of Mormon and have found the earliest text employs which 56% of the time, that 28% of the time, and who or whom 16% of the time. This is very different from the usage found in the 1832 history, which contains ten instances of who or whom, two instances of personal that, but none of personal which. Significantly, the Book of Mormon does not imitate biblical usage in this regard, although it is definitely archaic. The King James Bible strongly prefers personal that more than 80% of the time, followed distantly by which about 12% of the time, and then by who or whom. Overall, these two scriptural texts are uncorrelated in their choice of relative pronouns after personal antecedents. With different antecedents, relative pronoun usage varies in the scriptural texts. In the case of the antecedent he, him, the Book of Mormon is 80% he, him, that, approaching the 96% of the King James Bible. But when the antecedent is those, they, them, the Book of Mormon is only 20% that. This is quite different from the 81% of the King James Bible. The Book of Mormon is very heavy in its use of people which, 93%, while the King James Bible is heavy in its use of people that, 82%. Thus far, I have pinpointed only two or three early modern English writings that employ restrictive people which, in the majority of possible cases. The two texts that clearly contain the distribution of the Book of Mormon usage are Richard Hakloyd's The Principal Navigations of the English Nation, 1589-1600, which is 50% people which, and Edward Grimston's Translation of a French work titled The Estates, Empires, and Principalities of the World, 1615, 54% people which. The third text that is a candidate for a majority people which usage is a mid-17th century encyclopedia by Peter Halen, 1652, 56% people which. This work, however, has a large number of non-restrictive people who examples. After the year 1700, people who begins to dominate the written record, followed by people that. People which is merely an occasionally found minor variant in the 18th century and beyond. I have cross-verified this by considering usage in two five-million-word corpora 
of the authors Walter Scott and James Fenimore Cooper. I found only one instance of restrictive people which, in these two single-author databases, in one of, of Cooper's books. These authors employed people who, more than 80% of the time, with almost all the remaining use being people that. No TH plural. There are 12 verbs that carry archaic TH inflection in the 1832 history. Doeth twice, hath twice, beareth, bindeth, decreeth, filleth, lieth, maketh, saith, seeketh. All these verb forms occur after third-person singular subjects, meaning that these archaic inflected forms are biblical in character. Consequently, there is not a single example of the TH plural in the account. I have noted at least eight possible contexts for the TH plural in this short text. They have turned aside and kept not the commandments. Two instances, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare, except they humble themselves and believeth, Mosiah 3.18. They draw near to me, Joseph Smith's hand. Compare, for because they yieldeth unto the devil, Second Nephi 26.10. Many things which since have been revealed, Frederick G. Williams' hand. Compare, my account of the things which hath been before me, Third Nephi 5.19. All these bear testimony and bespeak an omnipotent and omnipresent power, two instances, Joseph Smith's hand, compare them that are left in Zion and remaineth in Jerusalem, Second Nephi 14.3. All those who believe on my name, Joseph Smith's hand, compare, save it be unto those who repenteth of their sins, Helaman 7.23. My father's family have suffered many persecutions, Frederick G. Williams' hand, Compare, angels hath ministered unto him, 1 Nephi 16.38. In four cases, the TH plural would have been particularly favored syntactically, historically speaking, and as reflected in the Book of Mormon, in conjoined predicates, and keepeth, and bespeaketh, and after relative pronouns, things which hath, those who believeth. But the TH plural is not used in these syntactic contexts in the history. The non-use of the TH plural in the 1832 history suggests that it wasn't part of Joseph's own language. This view is corroborated by independent linguistic observations on the history of the TH plural in English. An examination of the textual record shows that the TH plural was very rare in the 1820s. However, it is anything but rare in the Book of Mormon, since we find about 200 instances of it in the text. It is used in the earliest text, with all the variety of the early modern English period, after noun phrases, and infrequently after pronouns, after relative pronouns, and in conjoined predicates, and with different kinds of nearby variation. And thus, the absence of a TH plural in the 1832 history also casts into doubt the view that Joseph was responsible for the wording of the Book of Mormon from revealed ideas. The fairly frequent and variable use of a TH plural found in the earliest text was almost certainly not part of his dialect. Summary and Implications of the Foregoing Linguistic Evidence The 1832 history provides solid evidence that Joseph's dialect did not retain early modern English did paraphrasis in positive declarative statements, or the TH plural, and that personal which usage was not common in his dialect. Yet these are found in great abundance in the earliest text of the Book of Mormon, 
Paraphrastic did occurs nearly 2,000 times. There are close to 200 instances of the TH plural, and there are close to 1,000 cases of personal which, the usage being dominant. By way of comparison, the King James Bible contains fewer than 2% positive declarative paraphrastic did, and no clear instances of TH plural. Also, personal that is dominant in this biblical text. These three features of early modern English are present in such quantities in the earliest text of the Book of Mormon that it is accurate to say that two of them are essential syntactic components of the book, and the third, the TH plural, is fairly prominent. These same features of the 1832 history, by reason of their frequency of occurrence and systematic categorical nature, constitute the primary evidence found in this account that the Lord did indeed transmit words and their grammatical forms to Joseph Smith for the dictation of the Book of Mormon. This view is established by the following types of manuscript and textual evidence. Spelled out names in the original manuscript. Archaic extra-biblical semantic usage in context. Archaic extra-biblical morphology. Archaic extra-biblical syntax. These are mutually supportive. To these we can now add the following specific evidence. No paraphrastic did, personal which, or TH plural in Joseph Smith's 1832 history. The absence of these features from Joseph's 1832 history argues against the notion that the earliest text of the Book of Mormon might have emanated from a very conservative American dialect that Joseph grew up speaking. Such a dialect has been presumed to have maintained a host of archaic forms, structures, vocabulary, and systematic usage from centuries before. That was always a doubtful view, whenever it might have been first conjectured, because of known, documented, diachronic shifts in English usage. It does not appear that proponents of this theory have taken into account linguistic studies of the kind referenced in this paper. Specific and general linguistic evidence indicates that the following view of the translation process of the Book of Mormon is an extremely unlikely one. Quote, because this process occurred in Joseph Smith's mind, the conversion of thought to language had access to his normal vocabulary, grammar, and cultural contexts. Descriptive linguistic research on Book of Mormon language provides concrete evidence that the earliest text is not fashioned specifically after Joseph's language. The present tense verbal system of the earliest text of the Book of Mormon is different from both 19th century American dialect and biblical usage. Nonetheless, the present tense verbal system is archaic, with nearby S-T-H inflectional variation, ample doses of a T-H plural, and some non-emphatic do paraphrasis as well, all characteristics of the 1500s and 1600s. In addition, the past tense system is clearly different from both 19th century American dialect and biblical usage, and the complex variable perfect verbal system is as well. So also is verbal complementation, subjunctive marking, auxiliary usage, etc. In 2006, Skousen wrote that, quote, The biblically styled language of the text seems to date from the 1500s and 1600s, yet it does not imitate the specific language of the King James Bible, close quote. This studied view generally runs counter to Oakes, as quoted in Gardner, quote, The language of the Book of Mormon translation was likely influenced by Joseph's own language, close quote. Some aspects of the earliest text might have been tailored to specific dialectal idiosyncrasies that Joseph shared with others of his speech community, taken in a broad, multi-regional sense of upstate New York and New England. 
but a large amount of the language was not tailored to this dialect. Archaic extra-biblical features of the text, however, did not make it difficult to understand for 19th century English speakers, especially for anyone familiar with archaic King James English, since there was plenty of shared use. But as partially outlined, in quite a few important ways the usage of the two scriptural texts is systematically distinct, and the texts are different in many ways that fall short of being called systematic because there is less than frequent occurrence of forms and constructions. Occasional and or mixed usage of the 1832 history. The reigning sections of this short study address other linguistic evidence from the 1832 history. No finite complementation after the verbs desire and suffer. There's one example of the verb desire used with verbal complementation in the 1832 history, and another example of the verb suffer. The instance involving the verb desire reads, He desired to carry them to read to his friends, Joseph Smith's hand. The complementation in this case is infinitival, which is typical when the person desiring something and the person doing the desired action are the same. But twice the Book of Mormon employs a that clause and the auxiliary might in such a case. Had this syntax been employed in this part of the history, it would have been of the form he desired that he might carry them to, to read to his friends. Here are two Book of Mormon examples of this. Helaman 16.1 They confessed unto him their sins and denied not, desiring that they might be baptized unto the Lord. 3 Nephi 28.9 For ye have desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me. It is important to note that in contexts with no change in subject between the main clause and the embedded clause, as in the above passages, Finite complementation after the verb desire is exceptional in the Book of Mormon. There is usually infinitival complementation when there is no change in subject. Consequently, there was only a small chance that Joseph would have used this uncommon construction once in the 1832 history had he been responsible for the usage of the Book of Mormon. It was more likely for Joseph to employ finite complementation after the verb suffer in the 1832 history had he been responsible for the wording of the Book of Mormon. Since finite complementation after suffer occurs more than 60% of the time in the earliest text. The 1832 usage in question reads in the infinitive, The Lord suffered the writings to fall into the hands of wicked men. Joseph Smith said. Verbal complementation after the verb suffer in the Book of Mormon mostly, most commonly occurs with a that clause, and the auxiliary should although there is substantial variation in usage, almost all similar to what is found in the early modern English period. In the 1832 history, finite complementation in this case would have read, The Lord suffered that the writings should fall into the hands of wicked men. Such language would have been analogous to the following Book of Mormon passages, 1 Nephi 17.12, For the Lord had not hitherto suffered that we should make much fire. Mosiah 2.13, Neither have I suffered that ye should be confined in dungeons. Exceeding Great The 1832 history contains the following language written in Joseph's hand. The things which are so exceeding great and marvelous, and my mind become exceedingly distressed. The bigrams exceeding great and exceedingly distressed are found both before the year 1700 and after that time in the modern period. They are also typical of Book of Mormon usage, 
The earliest text always employs the abbreviated form of the adverb with the adjective great and the ly form with verbal past participles. The Google Books Ngram viewer indicates that around the year 1830, exceeding great appeared in printed books 77% of the time, and the later modern form, exceedingly great, 23% of the time. Over the following decades, both phrases are used at decreasing rates, and the share of the older one, exceeding great, diminishes so that it is close to 50% by 1940. The 1816 pseudo-biblical text, The Late War, written by the New Yorker Gilbert J. Hunt, has one instance of exceeding great, and one of exceedingly great. Based on Hunt's mixed usage and engram viewer data, one would expect at least a few instances of modern exceedingly great, if Joseph Smith had been responsible for the wording of this bigram in the Book of Mormon. Consequently, the earliest text's consistent use of exceeding great 57 times is remarkable. A single instance of exceeding great in the 1832 history doesn't provide sufficient evidence that would lead one to alter that view. Frequent categorical usage of, exceedingly, of exceeding great in the Book of Mormon also points to words and their grammatical forms having been transmitted to Joseph. Non-standard usage of the 1832 history. Plural was and were. The 1832 history contains several examples of non-standard plural was. There was plates, Frederick G. Williams Hand. There was engravings, Frederick G. Williams Hand. Where the plates was deposited, Frederick G. Williams Hand. Wherefore the plates was taken from me, Joseph Smith's Hand. There is variability in the account with were used in the following cases. They were given unto him, Frederick G. Williams' hand. All that were able, Joseph's hand. We were deprived, Joseph Smith's hand. There were many things, Frederick G. Williams' hand. We note that the earliest text of the Book of Mormon contains 47 instances of there were many and eight of there was many. This means that the earliest text employs plural was 14.5% of the time in this three-word sequence. But there was, plural noun phrase, is, follow, is found at much higher rates when was is not followed by many. Either early modern English usage or Joseph Smith's dialect can explain a goodly portion of the earliest text's plural was usage. But dialectal usage doesn't explain all of it. For example, when archaic language is combined with plural was, an early modern English view is more likely. A prime example of this is Adam and Eve, which was our first parents, 1 Nephi 5.11. This phraseology combines plural was with an archaic personal which, a non-restrictive relative pronoun. This is a relative pronoun usage that we don't expect to have come from Joseph's own language based on evidence from the 1832 history and independent studies of American English. The five-word sequence, Adam and Eve, which was, can be found in the 16th century by an author who also wrote about hiding up things in the ground, archaic, extra-biblical language that we read in the books of Helaman and Mormon. There is also no syntactically influenced was-were variation in the 1832 history. While there are a number of examples of this variation in the earliest texts of the Book of Mormon, as well as analogous subject-verb agreement variation with is, are, and has, hath, have, the extensive variation present in the earliest text points to early modern English possibilities, as in the following case. 
Mosiah 24.15. The burdens which was laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. 1560. John Knox, an answer to a great number of blasphemous cavillations written by an Anabaptist, quote, that proveth not that all the Israelites which was called from Egypt were within God's holy election to life everlasting in Christ Jesus. Close quote. Consequently, one cannot convincingly assert that the plural was of the Book of Mormon is 19th century vernacular usage, nor that the earliest text's plural is, has, hath usage must stem from Joseph's American dialect. Past tense come and become. There are four instances of past tense come and become in the 1832 history, all in Joseph Smith's hand. A pillar of fire, light, come down from above and rested upon me. My mind become seriously impressed. My mind become exceedingly distressed, for I become convicted of my sins. Ignoring cases of it came to pass, we also note the following instances of standard past tense came and became. An angel of the Lord came, Frederick G. Williams' hand, who became convinced of the vision, Frederick G. Williams' hand. And he immediately came to Susquehanna, Joseph Smith's hand. And these examples provide evidence that past tense come and become was a feature of Joseph Smith's language and that he varied its usage. There might be a few examples of past tense come and become in the earliest text of the Book of Mormon, although all possible candidates may be cases of scribal mix-ups. A detailed treatment of the manuscript and first edition evidence of past tense come and become will appear shortly in Part 3 of Royal Skousen, The History of the Text of the Book of Mormon. Summary Linguistic evidence from Joseph Smith's 1832 history appreciably strengthens the position that the delivery of the English language text of the Book of Mormon involved transmitted words. This view ultimately rests on observable, descriptive linguistic facts. The earliest text of the Book of Mormon contains a large amount of archaic language, vocabulary, syntax, and morphology that is not found either systematically or at all in 19th century American dialect or in the King James Bible. Massively represented syntax supports independent instances of archaic, extra-biblical vocabulary. Obsolete lexical, lexical usage supports the descriptive linguistic conclusion that there is archaic, extra-biblical syntax and morphology. Stanford Carmack has a linguistics and a law degree from Stanford University, as well as a doctorate in Hispanic languages and literature from the University of California, Santa Barbara, specializing in historical syntax. He currently contributes by means of textual analysis to Volume 3 of Royal Skousen's Book of Mormon Critical Text Project. This has been a recording of How Joseph Smith's Grammar Differed from Book of Mormon Grammar, Evidence from the 1832 History, by Stanford Carmack. Originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 25, 2017, read by Victor Worth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license, and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.